You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome to the Health Hub. I'm Kathy Biasa, your host, and along with our producer, Alex Diaz, we would like to welcome you to our show. Once again, I'm riding solo. Alex is knee-deep on uh, working on things that are going on at Radio Maria, so unfortunately, he couldn't join us today, so we will move onward without him, but uh, he is missed for sure. Today's show is being taped, so no calling in, no opportunity for calling in, um, and please do follow us on our social sites. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and we are at the Health Hub RMC on all three locations. Our email address is thh at radiomaria.ca if you'd like to contact us that way. And uh, you can subscribe to our podcast. We have such wonderful guests, and make it easy on yourself and subscribe, and then you'll know uh, without much effort who's going to be on our show um, and the wonderful information and, and conversations that we have had and that we will have. And we are the Health Hub, all one word. We are on iTunes, SoundCloud, and most of your favorite podcast platforms, Spotify, and so forth. And you can also find uh, our podcast links on the Radio Maria Canada website, and which is radiomaria.ca, and on my website, which is kathybsa.com. I was a guest on Rex uh, Rex Halbison's podcast uh, a bit ago, and it wasn't till post show that we started chatting, and I really found out a bit of his history and uh, some of the struggles that he has had to deal with that certainly do not come through when um, when you're speaking to him. Um, and so I thought he would be a wonderful guest to have on the show to to talk about his his health journey, to talk about um, his diagnosis of a bipolar 2 uh, disease um, or brain chemistry um, issue, as he calls it, uh, rightly so. And I think you will really enjoy him and really enjoy what he has to say. Uh, Rex Halbison is a 34-year veteran of the information systems industry, former radio show host, top-rated podcaster, author, internet traffic specialist, serial entrepreneur, consultant, and most importantly, he is a father of five. High energy and high performance, Rex was diagnosed with bipolar 2 as an adult. Rex has taken what might be considered a handicap and turned it into a strength to help people organizations and companies reach their goals. A big personality and a super connector, Rex has an infectious style, which establishes trust and creates innovation. And so true, I was drawn to Rex, I was drawn to his story, but I was drawn to him. 
you know, he's just a wonderful person. Uh, when he's with you, he is present with you. And that is that is a gift, a talent and something that um, is a pleasure to be around. We'll be talking about a number of different things, um, sort of circling his bipolar two disorder. And we're going to talk about that what it is, um, the challenges and the blessings of being diagnosed as an adult with this, and how Rex used some traits of his disorder to benefit his business life. And it is a stellar business life, as you are going to come to understand. So I do hope you stay tuned with us. And we will be back to talk with Rex Halbison very shortly. You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. Again, this show is being taped today, so no opportunity to call in and speak to Rex. Uh, if you could follow us on our social sites, we would love it. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and we are at the Health Hub RMC on all three locations. Rex, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us today. Glad to be here, Kathy. It's uh, always enjoyable to talk to you. We had a good time on uh, my podcast. Yes, we did. And how long have you been doing your podcast? I brought my podcast uh, to the marketplace on the 1st of January, 21. So we're just right at it at six months and we're, we've recorded about 155 episodes so far. In six months? In six months. Is that your full-time job? <laughs> no, it's... Uh, <laughs> I'm up to, I think I'm at 217 and it's been four years. Uh, no, I just did a race to get to a, a, a large volume. So when people discover the show that they see, oh, this guy has a few shows. He's not brand new to this. This guy does have a few shows. And w with respect to your podcast, um, what are the topic areas that you're covering? Well, my podcast is a general in, uh, information and interview show. So it's a biography show, people's stories. So interesting people doing interesting things. So uh, people are looking for uh, uh, that second tier bios of people doing interesting things. Uh, that's the show is all about. Have you done a show on yourself? Like, have you done a self? No, self I haven't. Episode? So you get a sneak peek. I have not done my show episode on myself. So uh, this will be fun today uh, to be behind the mic answering the questions, not just asking them. It's a different, uh, a different feel. It's a different yeah. feel. I understand. Now let's let's get to you. How you got here? It's such an interesting story, everybody. I was on Rex's podcast, and and after the show, I you know we had a. A friendly conversation about uh, about things, and I was I was just so impressed um, with Rex and his business and the technology. We'll get to the technology and all. I think that's what blew me away more than anything is what you're doing with it. But right. um, you know, we've talked about in the introduction um, the bipolar two disorder, and you know, this is a part of you as anybody else who has a disease or has an issue they're working with. This is woven into the fabric of life and you have woven a beautiful tapestry. And I would love for you to share with us your story, what bipolar two is explaining to people and how you have taken, um, taken what, uh, you know, challenges have been put in front of you and, and really incorporated it into such a powerful business. 
Well, well thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm always happy to share my story. You know, I, I started off in technology right out of college. And so it was one of the first jobs um, that I got. I worked, went to work for a, a sales training company. And then uh, a company called us up and they were a technology company that needed some sales training. And I fell in love with the company and I decided, well, this is where I need to be. Well, that was 34 years ago, but um, there's been an interesting couple stops along the journey. I, I was a typical, what I thought was a high performer, you know, sort of this classified as a type A personality, you know, run, 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 run kind of guy. Well, um, fast forward into my career about 14 years later, uh, my nephew was being um, examined and diagnosed for, um, at the time they called it ADD, so HDAD today. And so what the university professor doctors were doing was examining the whole family tree. So they went and looked at, you know, everybody in the family. And so uh, I didn't go to the sessions because I was busy. So they brought in um, my wife and my, and my mother, and they were talking to them. And my wife came home and said, you know what? Um, you're the poster child of this. You need to go get checked. And I'm like, nah, not me. I'm busy. I'm just type A guy. I'm, you know, I don't have these mental health issues. What are you talking about? Well, the harassment went on for about six months. And finally, literally, is in an effort to have them, you know, leave me alone. I went and got um, examined and went in for the interviews and uh, for a diagnosis. And I was absolutely sure I was going to come out of that meeting scot-free. Hey, he's just Mr. Personality, type A personality, run, run, run guy. And I walked out of the um, appointment with a diagnosis of the time. The DSM was a little bit different about uh, 20, 20 years ago. Uh, I was determined to be bipolar 2, hypomania, ADD. Now, that's a quite a long sentence of a diagnosis. So the bipolar 2 is the type of um, bipolar that you don't have as such high swings, okay? So people who are bipolar are mostly positive and upbeat and, and going, where people who are bipolar 1 have very deep depressive swings. And so I basically came out of the diagnosis with this bipolar two. Now the hypomania means you just have these moments of just running crazy. You just energy and you go, go, go. And you have creative spouts. And then the ADD, everybody gets that. And, you know, I can't focus on stuff. Well, it was um, quite an setback for me emotionally to when I got that diagnosis because for the first time in my life, I mean, I was a high performance guy. I was uh, a varsity athlete and played college football. I uh, was president of my class. I was, you know, leadership in everything I'd ever touched. And to all of a sudden be told that you have this diagnosis where you're suddenly broken. Well, there was an element of denial, an absolute denial on that. And because I didn't want to think that I was broken but I started to have struggles when, when I found out about this and recognizing some behavior where I was having a hard time um, keeping a job because I would be uh, so focused with the high energy and then unfocused and then kind of like, I was like a loose cannon, you know, fire, fire along the deck. I had a 
position with a, a company where I was the top salesperson out of everybody in the whole country, but I got fired because I was an idiot and was, you know, I didn't respect the, uh, one of the delivery managers. And so I started to have this types of behaviors where, um, as I was getting a little older, the bipolar, um, characteristics were starting to be, uh, a little more come to the surface. So back then, um, with bipolar uh, two or bipolar one, um, the typical uh, treatment was basically, we're going to give you some meds and we'll pat you on the butt and we'll see you in, you know, six weeks or eight weeks kind of thing. Well, the meds and uh, to date, looking back, I've been on 11 different combinations of bipolar medications, uh, trying to control the motor, I guess, is the way you'd look at it. So um, speed up, speed down, uh, medicate to, so I could go to bed and sleep and let my brain shut off or medicate to again, wake me up and keep me under control and focus during the day. So it was this enormous um, battle, to be honest with you, to feel like I wasn't broken, to, to deal with the denial of, hey, this, there's something wrong with me that I'm, I'm having to face this, uh, to have to deal with um, the interpersonal um, battles I would have, you know, verbal, not, not physical type thing. Mm -hmm. And it really became a, um, a situation where I was um, really at odds and, and I really ran my life off the rails in so many ways, financially, uh, uh, relationships uh, with children, uh, ended up uh, getting involved in a business and, and uh, took it to a tailspin and lost a house and just, you know, had to shut things down and file for bankruptcy and just, it was just out of control. And the main reason was, is I was refusing to pay attention to and treat uh, my diagnosis. So I, I went from someone very, very successful, making a six-figure income, you know, uh, to being a person who basically ran his life off the rails uh, with uh, not treating and managing the bipolar. Well, where would you have been if you never went and got assessed and diagnosed? Was this a negative thing that, that you, if you could look back, what I'm trying to say, I guess, if you could look back, would you have gone in for the testing? You know, that's an interesting, um, that's an interesting question. There was an element in my mind, looking back now, that if I had not had learned of the diagnosis, I probably would have just continued on with the, um, the thinking that I was just this high, high performance person. Mm -hmm. Now that's one side of it. The other side is to look at it and go, well, those, some of those behaviors were going to uh, surface and I, whether I was fighting them like I did, or I had been, if I had been an unconscious incompetent and not known, I still think long-term, I would have had challenges with those behaviors. But that's an interesting question because I've thought about it before as well. Maybe if I didn't know, maybe it wouldn't have been so much because I started to focus on it. Rex? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Oh, yep, yep. Sorry, sorry you started focusing on what? Uh, well, that I was focusing on the, um, the illness, you know, having, having those, the bipolar, because, you know, it's one of those things. I know there are a lot of people, I'm pretty sure based on my father's behavior, uh, 
that, you know, because bipolar is a genetic uh, uh, brain chemistry that's passed down, I can pretty sure uh, tell you, uh, based on my anecdotal um, diagnosis, that my father was bipolar. And it, it got worse as he aged. Okay. So now looking back over your childhood, let's go back through there. Mm-hmm. Once you were diagnosed, I've known a couple of people that have been diagnosed in their adult years and were relieved because it was like, that explains so much to me now. Right. Are you in that same boat or this was totally out of left field for you? No, I'm in that same boat now. Um, it, it explained a lot of behavior. Uh, I, based on what I know now and, and what I have seen or, of self-educating, <laughs> you know, we use the word self-medicating sometimes, but self-educating and just trying to learn as much as possible. It's my assessment that I probably had onset of my bipolar probably around the age 22 or 23. So it wasn't as a youth, you know, like some people get it. Uh, bipolar 2 frequently uh, surfaces, you know, 16, 17, you know, formative teenage years. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm pretty sure based on looking back behavior, um, yes, I probably had this around 22, 23. Now, um, you are a father of five children, correct? I am. I am. I do have five kids. And in this light, are you happy that you were, that you were given a diagnosis so that you can watch your children? Does this concern you at all? Or has this put you in a, in a, in a more positive presence as a parent with them? Oh, absolutely. You know, when you get a diagnosis like this, there's a lot of self-questioning, okay? Well, why am I getting this? Or mm-hmm. is this my gift? Or what am I to learn from this? And the fact that based on behavior that I know of today, based on my grandfather's stories, living through my father's, uh, you know, living with him in, in my life. And then today, it's an absolute blessing that I know now because with five kids and I got my first grandson, Oh, congratulations. Uh, a, year, a year back. Absolutely. I am in my mind, I need to be the one with as a North star in the life of my family to help them understand, you know, this is not much different than any other type of um, bodily disease. You know, mm-hmm. you could have, you could have diabetes, you could have um, cerebral palsy, you could, you could have all kinds of different, you know, things you could have issues with your your um, gallbladder or something. So there's, it's one of these things, if you face it, if you address it, if you um, basically, I wouldn't say embrace it, I think you own it and then you treat it. Well, then you can live very, very high performing. In fact, I was, when I finally stopped um, fighting the diagnosis, I turned my life into a whole series of uh, amazing successes and now I know, uh, looking back, that I probably would have had those faster in life if I would have been able to see not only the strengths, but the weaknesses of this behavior. Or this, 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 I don't like to call it a disease. It's, it's a brain chemistry issue. Mm-hmm. It's true. But when you talk about a diagnosis and you, you hit on something close to my heart, a diagnosis of any uh, brain issue, disease, 
it is you you have to you it takes time to adjust you have to sit back and then if you can come out of it with this attitude that you have now lived your life with is that this is a a part of me my story this is something that i'm going to deal with but it's also going to be dealt with within the fabric of all the positive and negatives of my life and i think that is uh, the best thing that anybody can take out of this show today is what Rex here has accomplished um, because he's known, because he's faced it, and because he's dealt with it. And I think, you know, that's exactly why you're here, Rex, because I think it's a brilliant story. Well, I, I appreciate the opportunity to share it because I know there are a lot of people in many ages. My father's, uh, or, you know, my parents' um, generation, my generation, and then the, those that follow who have not been diagnosed and, and possibly need to be, or they have a diagnosis and they are just battling it. And the day you stop battling it and you, you take it and you embrace it and you run with it, it's a different way of living. It is a completely different way of living rather than the, you know, the constant mental gymnastics of trying to understand why, why me or, you know, why did this happen? You know, that's, you just can't live healthy that way. No, you can't. Now, are you managing this medication alone or have you incorporated any other um, practices into your daily routine? Well, actually, you know, um, as I had mentioned when I started off that uh, back in the day when I got this diagnosis, you know, they taught you some medications and let you run. They really wasn't a comprehensive uh, approach. And today, uh, if you have issues with brain chemistry issues, if you're working with the right um, caregivers, it's a comprehensive caregiving. Okay, so uh, sleep is one of the most important things I can do with brain health. And so I work really hard uh, to make sure I get the appropriate amount of sleep. And because my motor runs and I don't want additional pharmacology on that, I actually take some CBD, which is amazingly good help for sleep. Uh, nutrition. There are certain types of um, foods that I stay away from. Um, those who know me and they know I'm a little bit of a foodie, but I stay away from high sugary things, um, foods with dyes in them, especially red and yellow dyes. So there are different types of chemistry that you can manage from that. Um, emotional health. I uh, have always made it an, a priority in my self-care to, uh, you know, I manage my care, you know, by myself, I direct it, it's self-directed, but I do have a therapist and I um, meet with my therapist two times a, a month, usually, because I need that check-in kind of thing. Um, I also uh, spend a lot of time on working on mindfulness and, um, you know, meditation and those types of things. And so it's a lot different than it was, you know, 20 years ago. So yes, I'm working very hard. And oh yes, exercise. That's the other one too. Exercise for someone with my diagnosis and brain chemistry is pivotal. And mm -hmm. so, so I'm trying to, to, to attack it at a little more of a comprehensive approach. I'm not perfect. <laughs> I, I have my, the aim. <laughs> I have my strengths and weaknesses. You know, yep. I could be doing a lot more on my fitness, you know, there, but but I'm, I work on it and, I, and it's important to do that. Now, I'm not a person who's anti-pharmacological. I believe in that the pharmaceutical industry has appropriate things. Mm -hmm. I still have some medications that I need to be on as far as 
you know, helping me with stress levels and things. But um, I think it's a full blended approach. You just can't do one or any of these or, or, or none of them is scary. So you're the poster boy for integrative care. And, yeah. and all the things you talk about within, you know, your, your diagnosis, within any health diagnosis, these are all things that uh, everyone is supposed to be cultivating. So awesome for you. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here and uh, we'll come back in a few minutes to continue our conversation with Rex. You are listening to The Health Hub. Here on Radio Maria Canada, a Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, email thh at radiomaria.ca. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. We're going to continue our conversation with Rex Halbeisen. Uh, we are talking about uh, his successes within a diagnosis of bipolar 2. Rex, um, how have things changed when it comes to the mental health picture uh, the years ago when you were diagnosed versus now? Is it a much easier, um, is it a much easier environment these days? Well, Kathy, that's a great question. And one of the things that I like to talk about is the acceptance and, and probably broader distribution of information about it. You know, when I was first diagnosed, diagnosed with the bipolar 2, there was a heavy, heavy stigma to it. So you would, people would look at you funny. They, if you were to have exposed that um, in an employment environment, um, you know, I, I work in Colorado. I live in Colorado. It's what we call an at-will state. So you can be fired for any reason, any time of the day, 24 hours a day. So if you got it, let it leaked out. Now, it was not supposed to be that you would get fired for doing that, but they would come up with reasons why. And so there was just really he heavy stigmas to it that there was something wrong with you, something crazy, okay? Now, fast forward to today where we're getting much... Uh, more comprehensive um, treatment and acceptance, there still is a little bit of stigma out there. But in most cases, everyone here that I run into has met or knows someone who has mental health chemistry issues. So it's not the deep, dark stigmas that it used to be, but it is certainly much more adaptable because they say now statistics in North America are approximately 26, 27% of adults um, have some sort of bouts with depression or more severe mental health issues. And so it's prevalent. I mean, I would challenge just about anybody to say, do you know, do you not know somebody who has mental health? Because we pretty much all, if we stop and think about it, can, can do that. Well, it's so, gone from the realm of being something, you know, you should be able to control your own thoughts, right? right. 20, 30 years ago to now uh, in the, with the wonder of science and research, the, the whole connection between the mind and the body, but the real, it, it, and I know that there's still a long way off, but the real understanding of how the brain functions, um, you know, just going from that, uh, nothing can permeate the brain because of the, 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 the covering on it to <clears throat> understanding that it's permeable, understanding you talked about sleep, understanding that uh, at night is when the brain really does detoxify. So to make these physiological connections, to me, that's when it, everyone starts to go, oh, wait a minute. 
And, and I think, it, you know, if I'm not mistaken, this and the voices of people who have not been afraid to speak up in the area of mental health has what really has pushed the marker. And I imagine in your own community, you are one of those marker pushers. Yes, I, um, I think I have a responsibility to uh, share my story with people. Now, I don't lead with it. You know, I don't walk down the street and first mm -hmm. thing I meet somebody and say, oh, hi, Kathy, did you know that I am bipolar two undefined? Well, because that's the new, you know, designation from the DSM. No, I don't lead with it, but I certainly do talk to people about it. You know, I have been blessed to, over the last uh, six months, bring back on to air a podcast. It's one of the fastest growing podcasts on the planet. We're doing great uh, stories and stuff. And I'm not afraid to talk about it. And I will talk about it. And I do talk about it because in my mind, um, my brain, brain chemistry is a gift. It really is. And you should uh, talk about it. I've been able it. to. That's right. As well, you um, should talk about it. People identify with really authenticity. True. And I really believe that, uh, you know, the story, you, when you can get, when you can bear the things that are, 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 you know, difficult to talk about at some point. And now the more you talk, it's cathartic too. And the more I found this yes. with myself, the more you talk about it, the more cathartic it is. And the more you see that people can um, align with you. And I think that, um, you know, you're, you're almost right. It is your duty to talk about it because you can do so much. And helping people. Well, that help can extend not only for my family, because we talked about that, but where I feel it's my responsibility to watch over my kids and my grandkids and, and further down posterity, because the likelihood that they'll have this passed down by gen genetics is very likely. So yes, I do feel responsible to talk about it. And I do feel um, that there are people out there who could be listening that realize, well, I might have some of this and, you know, have that whole series of self-doubt that that our healthcare system and society sort of presents with this, even though it's gotten a lot better, there's still that, you know, doubt uh, cloud that's over this. And so, you know, with proper care, um, proper medications, knowing my strengths and weaknesses, uh, taking some mindful classes, I've been able to parlay what would have been perceived in the past as a disability. And in fact, in the state of Colorado, many years ago, about eight years ago, I was set up and defined as a person with a significant disability because of my bipolar. Now, it wouldn't take into mind all the other things I've done in the meantime. Well, okay, so where have I taken my bipolar? Um, I needed to be in an environment that was a little more um, flexible. So I went into self-employment uh, with family members surrounding that and helping me out. Um, the creativity bouts, thanks to the mania, have helped me create um, four different uh, technology ideas that I actually patented. So I actually was able to use that creativity to something that was very positive. Then in spinning around in tech, um, I've been involved with and owned a company where in the height of early days of building mobile applications, we built over 1,100 mobile applications for people. I've been involved in building over 3,000 websites. Um, there's a creative element that's, that goes along with my brain chemistry that's just an absolute strength. And then I'm working on some new technologies today with artificial intelligence that help us 
to be able to target uh, people uh, when they're doing physical activities and bring them into online conversations. And so to me, yes, I, I have guardrails I have to have in place to make sure that uh, I keep you know, my act together. Um, but there are so many creative uh, genius, I wouldn't call myself a genius, but creative resources that my brain comes up with that I've been able to parlay those into good businesses. And in addition to that, as we mentioned, I have a top rated podcast. Yeah, that's admirable. That's wonderful. We'll have to talk about that afterwards because you can help us move our marker here. <laughs> but do you do you have have you have you and do you continue to create um, coping mechanisms um, that you you put into place that when you have triggers they're there for you? Is this something that you're continually doing? Absolutely. I I'm a uh, mad scientist student of um, mindfulness and studying um, mental health, uh, synapses, reprogramming, neurosciences, those things. And so, yes, it's an ongoing, almost hobby of mine. The most impactful thing I've ever done, and it was able to get um, a lot of things going for coping, was I took some mindfulness classes. And I really have focused on being able to stop, be present in a moment, um, go on uh, walking meetings when I need to have a meeting sometimes so I can you know, be a little more in the moment, um, taking breaks from things and, and spending time doing a little meditation and mindfulness. So absolutely, it is, um, it's almost like a, a funny phrase, but I'm being very mindful about being mindful because of my brain chemistry. Who moves you? This is an interesting question for me when I, when I, just as I'm, as I'm listening to you talk, um, I know you're self-motivated, but has there been uh, anyone outside of your family? Because that, that's what moves a lot of us. Um, has there been anyone outside of your family that has really made a significant difference in the way you approach life? Well, I, I wouldn't, I'll give you two that come to mind that they were just people that I've uh, paid attention to. I've always been a consumer of biographies. And there are two that I pay a lot of attention to. Uh, number one, I have studied and tried to learn as much about Winston Churchill because Winston Churchill also was bipolar. And Winston Churchill was a flaming alcoholic and had all kinds of interpersonal uh, problems, but he will be remembered in the history of the world as one of the greatest leaders. Uh, that's one person. Another that is a great story to, to follow is um, Milton Hershey, the founder of Hershey's Chocolate. Now, most people don't realize that Milton filed bankruptcy seven times in the chocolate industry before he finally made it the eighth time and made it successful. Now, nobody on the planet would call Hershey's a failure. It's one of the top five global brands, Coca-Cola, General Motors, Ford, Hershey's, it's, it's, it's those types of brands. So these are people that um, I follow. And then probably the one that was closest to me as a mentor was a gentleman that just passed away recently, about uh, six, eight weeks ago. His name is Laurie Edwards. And Laurie was a person who really understood the impact of what, how you made people feel, not just what you say. And so throughout my career, and um, he always helped me 
understand the ability to um, communicate better. So those would be three people that move me. I have, my dad has a, uh, or had, he's passed away. He had a picture of Winston Churchill, grumpy old man uh, in our, our, I guess it was our living room at the time at our old house. And he, that was someone he, he really idolized. Um, so funny that you mentioned that. So are you working um, outside of industry within um, any support groups? Are you helping other people? Because obviously you are a, a beautiful influence to people. Are you, are you actively working in support areas um, or are you cultivating um, sort of an understanding of, of the brain chemistry issue by living the life? What would you say would, to that question? Well, I've been so busy with my own ventures that I haven't had to outwardly um, volunteer in the community for mental health. However, I do have a, um, an application under development. I just finished up the wireframes on it, so which means the design frames. And it is a tool to help people um, be, stay engaged with um, mindful moments. So it's kind of a... You know, when you're stressed, you go to the app and you, uh, you, you hit a couple of different buttons. You don't even have to type stuff in. You let them know the stress. And then it comes up with these ideas, suggestions, and then also somebody that they would put into the app that who is their sort of their um, safety guard. So they're, you know, they're, they're support person. So I don't want to spend too much time working, you know, just explaining how that all works. However, I am working on an app that can help other people who um, have my type of conditions. Does it help you to focus on different things? Like you've, you've got a lot of ores in the water. Is that beneficial? Yes. Um, what I've learned how to manage is I do, I would admit to having a little bit of ADD or a lot of bit of ADD. And so how I work is it's very short micro bursts on three or four things. And so how that, that would look like is, this morning, I'm doing an interview with you for a while. I will then finish that up. I will set that down. Then I'll pick up a different uh, topic from my other business and work on that for a little bit of time, you know, intense, you know, a couple hours. And so I have a rotation system that I go through about three or four different things that I'm working on, but I do it in short bursts. Now, if you were to sit me down and say, Rex, can you do this for all day for the next three days? That would drive me crazy. Okay. It would, it would just not be effective. But if you would say, Rex, here are the things I need you to have done by the end of the week, and you let me go do those, I'll be fine because I basically play hopscotch. You know, I hop from one thing to another thing to another thing. And it's normally in segments not much more than 90 minutes long. And But that's just, an, I've, that's one of the abilities that I was able to develop recognition of these, um, my capabilities was to be able to have those short, intense uh, sessions. I know you're involved in the tech industry and so forth, but does this actual industry, uh, and, and I'm just developing this thought because when I sit down to do something, I can only tend to do things in certain bursts because I get distracted by technology and the computer and things that pop up. Do you find that this is a distraction for you or do you find that this is a, a, a blessing? Because for me, I, like, I find that I'm less productive sometimes in my day because of this. No, it's a blessing for me. Um, yeah, it's just been that way. It's been interesting during the pandemic, you know, a lot of people have realized, oh my goodness, for the first time they get to work at home. Well, I've been doing that for 20 some odd years. And so <laughs> I've, uh, 
along with my brain chemistry, sort of develop processes to manage that because it's not the easiest environment for a lot of people to work in is to be able to be, you know, working in these periods of time and interrupted by a dog coming through or, you know, anything like that. So yes, I've, I've kind of had to systemize uh, my approach, but again, it's just short um, burst type things, but that's expected behavior. Yeah. See, for me, I, all of a sudden in the middle of this interview here, I got some drilling going on and I've been totally distracted <laughs> by listening to that. If I was in the studio, <laughs> I wouldn't have to worry about that. Rex, it's such a great story. Yeah. And I really do appreciate you coming on the show. Um, can you give us some contact information if people want to find out more about you or what you're doing in industry? Yeah. Um, I'll give a couple of sites. If, if people want to dial in and listen to my podcast is really simple. I go by my, my middle name, Rex Andrews. So it's the rexandrewshow.com. Um, if you want to talk to me about technology that I'm doing, I, I, I push a lot of traffic online. It's rex at onlinetraffics.com or just onlinetraffics.com. And then you can find me on LinkedIn. Is I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. And the spelling of my name is R-E-X-H-A-L-B-E-I-S-E-N. So, yeah. You can find me in any of those locations. Wonderful. I really want to thank you for being with us today. It was such a pleasure talking to you. Um, your story is wonderful. It's, it's, so, it's so personal, yet it's so applicable to so many people. So I really do think that you're doing so much by, by being on shows like this and talking about your story. So thank you so much for, for joining us. Thank you, Kathy. It was a pleasure to be here. It was an honor. Every, everybody, we'll talk to you next week on The Health Hub. Listening to The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.